pray. <clears throat> and Father, how true this song reflects the way we feel tonight, that all the glory and all who we are belongs to you. And we rejoice tonight. We thank you. We glorify you as our God. We pray tonight that you would lead us. We pray tonight that you would strengthen us. We pray tonight that whatever needs that are among us, that these needs will be met by your love. Thank you so much. You are so merciful to us, so kind to us. We rest in you tonight. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Delighted to be here tonight. Amen. I usually tell our folks at Grace Church, I'd rather be here than in the best cemetery in town. And I hope you feel that way too. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, I will read the first seven verses, but I'd invite you to keep that chapter open as we will be looking at a few other verses. Uh, from that uh, uh, chapter from Paul's writing, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, allow me to read the first seven verses. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness, or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. The word of the Lord. Amen. Entering full-time ministry can be hazardous to your health. <clears throat> the indifference and non-responsiveness at times can be rather discouraging. The unabated growth of evil in the world may cause discouragement to those entering the ministry. When we look around and we see the terror, we see the, uh, the, the spiraling uh, decadence of our culture. One may be discouraged to say, why, uh, what difference can I make? 
Not to mention the disunity and the constant fighting and tension and battles that are going around in local churches today. The culture wars. The, uh, this can erode the confidence that you and I may have to even consider following and fulfilling our calling. Our sense of limitation, our own sense of limitation and inadequacies uh, may have a rippling effect on our self-confidence in ministry. Sometimes we look at ourselves and say, why did, in the world did God call me? I want to tell you tonight that the situation today was, what we see around us was no different than when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. In the fourth chapter of the second letter, Paul gives at least four reasons for God's ministers to be confident in ministry. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. That's what I want to share with us tonight. Four reasons for our confidence in ministry. The first one, we'll find it in the first two verses, verses 1 and 2. We have confidence in ministry tonight because we have received mercy. Hallelujah. God has given us this divine gift called mercy. The love of God that has flooded our hearts, the unmerited favor, the grace of God that has lifted us up out of where we were out of our self-destructive life, destructive lives, and has saved us, sealed us, sanctified us, filled us with his own presence, his own glory. You know, glory. And grace, they're twin sisters. Grace is glory begun, and glory is grace accomplished. And somehow God has called us and we've experienced that mercy. And as the text says uh, there in chapter 4, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. In other words, we have confidence. In the, he, he goes on to qualify this for us. In a negative sense, he says, We renounce shameful hidden behaviors. We have received mercy, we have this ministry from God, and therefore we renounce shameful, hidden behaviors. We do not live dishonesty. He calls it here in our text, craftiness. We do not live, uh, we do not uh, live with craftiness. We do not misuse the Word of God uh, to corrupt the Word for gain. If we go back to the second chapter and verse 17, he has already reminded them or told them uh, that for we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. We're not peddlers of the word. We seek to be earnest and sincere and transparent we have received this tremendous, this incredible gift, this unutterable gift of God that God has given to us, and we seek to live lives that are pleasing to God. 
that. We do not lose confidence. Paul was referring to false teachers when he, when he, when he shared this, who had infiltrated the Corinthian church. Such persons, he said, they, uh, they were insincere, self-sufficient, boastful, artfully presenting themselves in a persuasive manner, and their chief interest was to take money from gullible church members. We're not peddlers. Paul, by contrast, had preached the gospel sincerely, freely, without any charge, taking care not to be a financial burden to the Corinthian believers. Positively, he goes on to say, we live truthfully. In, in, in verse 2. Notice that with me. But we have renounced the shameful things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the Word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So we live truthfully. We live truthfully before God. We live truthfully before men. Wow. I tell you, when we live that way, we will have confidence. There will be no skeletons in our closets, no shadows. Openly, transparently. We have confidence in ministry. But Paul gives us another reason why we should have this kind of confidence in ministry. He says, because we preach the transforming gospel of Christ. Verses 3 to 5. He goes on to say it is a gospel unknown to the blinded mind, those that are veiled, he says. And in chapter 3, he, had already, he has already given a, a wonderful discourse of those who, the, who were veiled, who, who, whose eyes were covered, so to speak. The gospel was hidden to them because of the unbelieving heart, the darkness of their minds. But I want you to know tonight it is a gospel unknown to the blinded mind, but it is a gospel that mirrors the glory of Christ himself, that, that treasure, that, that ministry that we have, this wonderful gospel, the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. It mirrors Jesus himself. Paul, in verse 18 of chapter 3, and I'm making reference back because those two chapters are connected. I want you to see chapter 3, verse 18. He says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. From glory to glory, He's changing me. His likeness and image is remaking in me. We do, do not lose heart. We have confidence because of the transforming power of the gospel that we preach. It has not lost its luster, untarnished, forever shining, changes lives. Amen. 2,000 years has not erased the potency and the transforming power of this beautiful gift called the gospel. But notice also that this transforming gospel, it is a gospel of lordship 
and service. There again in, in our text. Verse number 5. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. It is a gospel of surrender. It is a gospel of full commitment, of lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is also a gospel of service. Paul says we present ourselves, we preach ourselves, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. Wow. Service. Giving of ourselves. No hidden agenda. When we are transformed by the gospel, we are broken by it. And there is no resurrection without brokenness. There is no resurrection without crucifixion. We become servants. In this great passage, Paul in the Philippian letter says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and became a man. Not only a man, but a servant. A servant. And he went to the cross. Amen. The humiliation, the brokenness, of Christ. But then in the passage, and God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. This transforming gospel, it's a gospel of lordship, but it is a gospel of service. So we do not lose heart. We have confidence this evening in ministry. But it's a third move in this passage as Paul says we are confident in ministry because we ourselves are transformed by the very gospel that we preach. Not only the world that is transformed and those we preach to, but it has a transforming effect upon its bearers and messengers. Notice verses 6 and 7. Paul says its light shines in our own hearts. For God who said, let light shine, or let, let light shall shine out of darkness. Genesis chapter 1. Paul is going back to the creation event when God says, let there be light. There was light. It is the same God that says, let light shine in our hearts. Folks, we dare not try to preach a gospel if we're not transformed by it, transported by it. Amen? And the light of the glory of Jesus, as if it's like a spotlight, zeroes in and zooms in our very being. And the face of Jesus Christ shines through the gospel because the gospel is wrapped up not in a dogma, but in a person. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, God shines the light in our hearts. The knowledge of the divine glory becomes clear revelation to us in the face of Christ as it appears in the gospel. We also see that this transforming gospel, its greatness is in the divine strength, it says. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God. The strength of the gospel, sustained by divine power 
and strength that carries us on. We're not discouraged tonight. We are confident as the ministers of this gospel. Its, it's value in this text tonight of this transforming gospel is priceless. We have this treasure in, in earthen vessels. It was not uncommon for Persian kings to melt their treasures that they captured from, from other cities and other uh, city-states. And they would pour, they would melt that treasure, that gold, that silver. They would melt it and they would pour it in, in vessels of clay, in clay pots. And then when it solidifies, they would crack, they would smash the pots and they would have the balls of gold or silver and lay it aside. Reminds me of this treasure we have in earthen vessels. There was a, a story that is told of a, of, a, of, a, of a rabbi and the daughter of an emperor. And, and the daughter of the emperor referred to this rabbi, his minna. She, she was always poking fun at how mean this rabbi was. And uh, the rabbi replied by referring to the earthen vessels in which her father kept his wine. And at her request, the wine was shifted to silver vessels those earthen vessels that contain, she sh they shifted the wines to silver vessels, whereupon the wine turned sour. And the good old rabbi observed that the humblest vessels contain the highest wisdom. But the best way I find to look at this, this treasure, this priceless treasure in earthen vessels, is to go back to the Old Testament in the book of Judges and the story of Gideon. And there's a, there's a little caption in chapter 7, beginning at verse 16, where, where it says that Gideon divided the 300 men that he had left into three companies, and, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers. And then in verse 20, it says, when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right. So here were those pitchers. But inside of the pitcher was a, a torch. The pitcher was broken and there was light to light their way. You see, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We do not lose heart because of the frailty of the container. No. It is the treasure inside that the focus is placed on. And, and so tonight, you may feel discouraged, maybe even frail. Sometimes you may refer to yourself as an earthen vessel or what we may call a crackpot, a psychoceramic. 
But I want you to know tonight that the attention is not on the vessel. It's on the priceless treasure inside. The torch in the pitcher. There's one last thing in our passage tonight in this chapter that I want to share with you. And, and it, it is found in the, in the last uh, set of verses, verses 8 through 18. And that we have confidence in ministry because we are victorious even in the midst of affliction. Even in the midst of difficulty. Even in the midst of suffering. And if you, if you read verses 8 through 18, you will see the catalog of, of difficulty that the apostle expresses. Let me just read just, just a few. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not broken. Uh, or not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in our bodies the marks of the death of Christ. And on and on he goes. But there are two verses that really summarize the essence of this victory in the midst of suffering. And that's why we do not lose heart. Verse 15, God's grace is spreading, causing thanks abound. When we, in the midst of executing our ministry, in the midst of doing ministry, there will be suffering, there will be hardships, there will be pain, there will be sorrow, there will be misunderstanding and perplexity, and, and all kinds of situations may come into our lives. But in the midst of this, because of the buoyancy of the Spirit of Christ that sustains us through those times, because of the, 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 the work of the Spirit in us that keeps us going, and the folks that we minister to will see that the love of Christ is, is in our hearts and the grace of God is operative even in the most difficult times of our lives, it will cause them themselves to give thanks to God and experience His grace. He uses the word abound. Grace abounds. Wow. And I thought of this word, and, and the, the derivative of this word is a Latin derivative. And it comes from the word redound, or redundere is the Latin word. And it means to draw back and to push forward. And the picture here is that of the wave of the ocean. It, 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 it comes, it, it dashes on the, on the rocks or the, or the sand, and it gathers momentum again, and it comes, and it never stops. It abounds. And so in the midst of our difficulty and in the midst of our problems, in the midst of suffering, the grace of God just keeps coming. Never stops. I, I believe Paul may have been standing on the Mediterranean shore one day and, 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 the, and captured the essence of this word, the abounding grace of God. He uses that word another time in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 9. And he says, may the love of God, I pray that the love of Christ will abound in your heart in the full knowledge and discernment of God. It never stops coming. Wow. I grew up around the ocean. No substitute for the mountains, of course, or maybe it's the other way around. And many times I've watched the ocean, walked along the beaches, there are times when there were low tides and certain seasons when the, the waves were just a little push. Low tide. But there are times when there was high tide. 
and the waves came crashing as if they were on a mission trying to water the whole countryside and many times they flooded the areas as well oh may the grace of God be like that in us abounding never stopping gushing flooding flowing even in the midst of our difficult times and of afflictions and right along now this is the almost towards the, 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 the close of this trimester and you're saying boy this has been a long one it started almost a year ago actually it started last year we've had so many bricks in between and it seems like this quarter this trimester will never end it's coming to an end and you may be discouraged and, and feeling the fatigue and the, 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 you're tired and you're worn out and you're saying, I have a few more papers yet. Or somebody says, I have not even started my papers yet. Good heavens. <laughs> and you might be discouraged. And some of you might even be thinking, boy, I don't know if I can make it. And you may be contemplating even renting a U-Haul truck. Don't do it in the midst of the affliction and the difficulty and the sick children and the, the bills that are behind and all that's going on in your life. We have confidence in ministry, not only when you are out there, but in the preparation of ministry. And may the grace of God abound. May the high tide of the Holy Ghost come these days and flood your soul. But there's one more that summarizes the essence of this victory, this confidence we have because of the victory we have in the midst of affliction, and that is we are being renewed. Verse 16. And the text says, therefore we do not lose heart. We have confidence. We do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Renewed in the midst of our perplexities and complexities and dis despairing moments at the verge of our despondencies, God is saying, you're being renewed. It's like what Michelangelo says when he says that uh, the more the marble wastes, the more the statue grows. As he chips away at the marble and he wastes the marble out, the statue develops and grows. Sometimes you feel you, you may feel you're being pulled away and chiseled away and, and, and yet there's something beautiful on the inside that's taking shape and form as God is forming you, as Christ is being formed in your inner being. We're being renewed. Oh, tonight as we, we close, may I just say as God's ministers, we're confident tonight because we are empowered by him. Having experienced his mercy, we desire to live transparent lives as true servants of Jesus Christ. We will preach sometimes to an unbelieving and cynical world, but the gospel we preach remains untarnished, glorious, shining, and inwardly transforming us. We do not lose heart because of the abounding grace resulting in thanksgiving to the glory of Jesus as well as our own transformation and renewal. So if you feel discouraged tonight, the message I want to leave with you is that our confidence for ministry 
and the preparation for ministry comes from God. We have this treasure in clay pots, jars of clay. Amen.